0: show all right welcome back she is probably the most famous incoming not yet sworn in freshman lawmaker in illinois she will take the oath of office tomorrow She's been making waves around the state for months now and even more in the last few days, and she joins us live here this afternoon. State Representative-Elect Ann Stava Murray joins us, and thank you for being here with us. I appreciate your time this afternoon.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to, to chat with you, and uh answer all your questions.
0: Well, uh, congratulations. First of all, you will be uh, starting uh, as a state representative tomorrow, uh, but you've already announced plans to seek another office in two years. We'll come back to that in a moment. Uh, First of all, people have been hearing your name for a while now because you have been very outspoken during the campaign and since then. With your thoughts on uh, the Speaker of the House and the state party uh, chairman of your party, Mike Madigan, Uh, did you set out in this campaign anticipating you were going to uh, be uh, so vocal against Mike Madigan? Is that something that just evolved in the course of the campaign? How did it come about that you became really the face of Democratic opposition to Mike Madigan?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I ended up, uh, when I was first asked to run, there was actually a story in Time magazine uh, in the Avengers edition about uh, how it was after the Women's March and Lauren Underwood, actually our new newly elected congresswoman, in the 14th district encouraged me to run. And when she encouraged me to run, she said something that was really important to me. She said, make sure that whether or not uh, you have party support doesn't make or break your campaign. And so from the get-go, I had a very independent campaign planned, but I did meet with a speaker. I vetted working with the party. I wanted to know what is it like to work with them pretty. Early on, very clearly, I wanted to do things a lot differently. I wanted to make sure I wasn't dependent on them. So I set that, I teed that up, but I wasn't necessarily going to be so vocal. It was really after the Me Too movement and not so much the headlines that we saw in the paper, but the whispers that I heard about what really goes on in Springfield and how what that Barack Obama quoted as a cesspool, pool, what that really meant and what that looked like. And that's when I became very vocal. And as we went through the year, I saw a lot of stories coming out about retaliation and ongoing harassment and people not taking things seriously on cleaning things up. That's when I became extremely outspoken. I continued to call to ask for the speaker to step down to not only as the speaker, but also as chairman of the Democratic Party. I took no money from the party during the entire time, so I did. I was pretty revolutionary and won my race only spending a dollar and fifteen cents or something like that per voter versus my opponent who spent over twelve dollars per voter and lost.
0: So. And, and, and there was a lot of uh, talk over the past year uh, of Mike Madigan looking the other way, not moving aggressively to stop his his own inner circle from engaging in the, in these activities. Eventually, the speaker came out and said, "You know we have to do better." He named a committee and put several powerful women in, in charge of looking over all of these issues as they pertain to both the, the government and the campaign operations but that that wasn't enough in, in your view. Did, did you not find those those gestures to be sincere on the part of Mike? Madigan?
1: I mean, it's just too little too late. When you have three decades of victims and survivors who have had to change their careers currently, actually, even in Springfield, to determine whether or not that feels like justice for them, uh, the only justice there is for the speaker to step down. And I've said that time and time again, so absolutely not enough. Not enough at all. We see Liu Wang isn't coming back uh, and he's being allowed very quietly resign. And of course, there will be some sort of appointment in that seat, um, which is legally what's allowed to be done. But that type of appointment, someone who's an incumbent for a very long time wins a race for someone, they shut down there, and then there's this appointment, which is legally allowed, but it's not true democracy in that, in the sense of really choosing who they want to represent them. That's exactly why I'm running for U.S. Senate, because uh, I'm very concerned that that's going to happen as well in that area.
0: uh, We'll come back to that. I want to mention that Mm -hmm. we're getting a little bit of a a muffled effect in in your voice as you're talking here. And I don't know if I'm holding the phone. Yes, I'm in the car. I'm driving down to Springfield. Okay, but that's a little bit clearer now. So uh, so so tomorrow you're going to be sworn in. Um, Most, if not all, of your Democratic colleagues will cast their vote for Mike Madigan for another term as speaker. Who are you voting for?
1: I'm going to vote present because I'm obviously not voting for a Republican, and I'm a Democrat, and the only options are for the other leader who has been around for a while, uh, also did not do enough uh, for Madigan and uh, or present. So I am going to vote present. There was a caucus vote last month where I voted the equivalent of nay. I said I respectfully dissent in my vote. Last December, and I will continue to not vote for the speaker uh, tomorrow, but I'm very excited to get to work with a lot of my colleagues. I don't think a lot of my colleagues are letting this get in the way. You know, there's a lot of negative rumors being spread by me by the powers that be. But luckily, I think there's uh, some, some really great people that I get the opportunity to work with. So I'm really excited about that.
0: But you've also suggested that the people have tried to strong-arm you a little bit, that in, in the interim— yeah there's,
1: twi- a, yeah, there's absolutely a few who have been bullying and harassing me, and um, that has been, made my life significantly more difficult. Unfortunately, um, those interactions have been quite negative. But on the other hand, there's other people who I am able uh, to—that have not been strong-arming me. There's a number of veterans in particular who obviously fought for our country and care strongly about democracy and also see that 100 percent vote for someone sounds— smells a little bit more like a dictatorship than it does like democracy.
0: Well, it, it, elaborate a bit for me when you talk about people who have been bullying or, or harassing you on this. What what does that mean? What what have they been doing or saying to you, either to persuade you to vote for Mike Madigan or to warn you of the consequences of failing to do so?
1: I mean, I had a series of hours-long phone calls. Some Some people try to say, oh, well, maybe it was just someone who Wanted was opportunistic and wanted to see power themselves. But the person who called me said, I was chatting with Mike Madigan before this, or Speaker Madigan before this, and then they said, oh, I'm going to go talk to Speaker Madigan after this, and I'll let you know tomorrow what he says. And then, oh, Speaker Madigan asked me to send you all of the memos from the first sexual assault memo onward. Now, the first sexual assault memo, when I received that by email um, and all the memos that he sent thereafter, my response was, why is the first one in 2017? And I never got an answer for that. So, you know, uh, a lot of the harassment, it was hours-long phone calls. It was direct threats about not being able to be effective, being told you don't want to be on the outside, you want to be on the inside, you don't... uh, if you want to play the game, you need to get on the game board. I think we need to change the game. And in, There's no way to change the game by voting for Mike Madigan. So at the the, end of the the day, that's why I chose what I chose.
0: Those of us who've been in Springfield for a long time, and and admittedly, like myself, watching uh, government for years and decades now, a little bit jaded, but this is pretty standard operating procedure in in state government and politics, that if you are, are not with somebody, you're generally perceived as against them. Why would somebody play ball with you if they think you're not, quote, playing ball with them?
1: Well, they're the leader. They're supposed to work with their whole caucus. So just because someone doesn't support a leader, it's like a democracy, like a president doesn't get 100 percent of the vote and then he still works for all of the American people. That's how a speaker should work. In my mind, it is what you say in Illinois, run like a dictatorship. And I think that's wrong.
0: So is that why you then decided that you were going to seek the U.S. Senate seat in Illinois that's coming up in 2020, because of what you experienced between the election and today in terms of that that bullying or harassment?
1: Well, so the retaliation definitely was the negative, but it was also this, like, actual culture of sexual assault that has not been fixed. And so, you know, I get a little bit of a—I get a hard time even from women for having mentioned that— I was forcibly kissed. Now I have PTSD from being grabbed before in a work situation, and it sounds to many people like something that is "quote unquote" harmless, but
0: it wasn't. And, j- and just to for clarify, because people may not be familiar with this story, yeah. this was this was in a gathering of new lawmakers, and someone came up. It, was this as a greeting and came up and, and basically kissed you without permission on yeah, the so on the Marty cheek Marlin,
1: or? So Marty Moylan bragged to the whole room at dinner that he had just uh, written everyone in the room checks. Of course, he hadn't written me a check because I didn't take any money from DPI, but that he wrote the checks for Speaker Madigan, and that he had written everyone checks, and then he started to go around the table, grabbed on both sides of the head very strongly, pulled the female head towards him, so it was very close to him as well, and then did an a rather long kiss on the top of the head, on the hair. So he did that for multiple freshman women in a row. And then when he got to the freshman male legislator, he stopped uh, and put his hand on his shoulder and pressed down. So it definitely seemed like there was an element of power-based violence to it based on the way he did it. And there was a sexual aspect because he chose to kiss all of the females and he did not choose to kiss the male. So what else other than gender could make up for the difference in how he was approaching, quote-unquote, greeting us. Now, I'll also note a lot of people were saying, oh, but some people greet with a kiss to h- say hello. This was not when I first met him. When I met him, he greeted me with a handshake. So this was about halfway, three-quarters of the way through the dinner. So that also was not the case. It was very clearly uh, a case of assault. Is it the worst assault that's happened ever in Springfield? no. There have been, unfortunately, a a lot worse things that have happened, but does that mean that Allow that to occur? Still, no, absolutely not. That's We're the talking
0: to me. talking with Representative-elect Anstava Murray. Uh, she'll be sworn in tomorrow as a state lawmaker, but has already announced that she plans to run for the U.S. Senate in 2020, a seat currently held by four-term incumbent Senator Dick Durbin, who indicated this past week he does plan to run for reelection. So you're going to challenge uh, a sitting incumbent Democratic senator and one of the top-ranking Democrats in the U.S. Senate. Is that a, a realistic goal, do you think?
1: Yeah, I mean, I it, it's funny because everyone asks about realism. But what we're not looking for, I mean, what the people are looking for is not the status quo. So usually the benchmark of realism is the status quo. So it's like if this were Sherry Bustos, she wouldn't run against Dick Durbin. He would step out, and then she would get the nod, and then she would get all the endorsements. That's how the game is played. He, she babysat his kids back in the day. She's done the work, and she, she deserves this, and there's this entitlement to our system. Um, there's also, I've heard, maybe my congressman, who has $3.5 million in large part due to relationships with hospitals and health insurers that make me deeply uncomfortable, um, that he would want to run. I've heard that someone who's raised $4.5 million wants to run. Now, are those realistically people that are going to care about the people of Illinois as their utmost priority, having been in politics as long as they have? Maybe. Maybe legitimately. Uh, I feel like all of them, all of the options have a lot of money tied up uh, in areas where they have people who can come back and ask them for favors. And those people aren't necessarily the people of Illinois. And that's what concerns me. It also concerns me that he's still choosing to run. And are we going to see a Lang situation? Is he going to not his, uh, we don't have to worry about him appointing his daughter, but maybe we have to worry about him appointing the person who babysat his kids.
0: So you you, you believe that if Dick Durbin ran and won, he would not serve out the term. He would simply step down fairly early on. I don't know know how he
1: would step down immediately. Uh, obviously, as part of the political game, a opposing party does not spend against, typically, is what my understanding does not spend against leadership of the opposing party. And um, so he, I could see him being in the race to make sure that there wasn't oppo- opposition sent from Republicans early on. And then... Uh, you know, he retires or he stops midway through, or maybe he really does want another full term. In which case, I say to him, he's been in D.C. since I was negative three. It's time to let another generation lead.
0: And what would you do differently? What would you push for that Dick Durbin is not pushing for on behalf of the people of Illinois?
1: I mean, absolutely. a millennial and Gen Xer perspective. So I'm on the very upper end of the millennial. My husband's a Gen Xer uh, what we've seen from the boomers from from the white male boomer leadership that controlled our government for the majority as the majority for the majority of the past 30 years uh, they have failed to preserve affordable college they have failed to preserve, affordable home ownership and they have failed to pre- preserve the idea that we someday will ever get to stop working. So it's very, I think, entitled even of Dick Durbin to have this choice of whether or not he's going to keep working and choose to keep working when there's been debts piled up so large and we are the ones that have to pay them. So why not let us, the parents, the people who are the age of those most impacted by policies like education and the healthcare. while we're going to have to be the advocates for our parents as they age, why not let us be in charge of the decisions uh, or at least have one voice within the decision? Currently, there's no millennials in the Senate. And to me, I think they're really missing out on a, a huge perspective of, quite frankly, the vast majority of voters are millennials and Gen Xers. So, I think we need a—this is a tide change. This is a sea change, and I hope to be a leader within it.
0: I'm almost out of time. One last question for you. When you made this announcement that you wanted to run for U.S. Senate, uh, there was backlash on your social media. People who voted for you and now say they feel betrayed because they sent you to Springfield to represent them. You're already looking at moving on to Washington. How do you respond to that?
1: Yeah, I think there was a bit of misunderstanding on the exact timeline of things, and so— Um, I always say, of course, I'm going to 100%. It matters more now how I do than it did even before, because now I have the whole state watching. So I, of course, am going to work hard every single day to represent them well. And I'm going to work as I would work hard every single day to represent all of us in Illinois. And what luck that I now get to visit so many other areas of Illinois and that I get to meet so many other residents within it, I think that can only make me a stronger state legislator even if I'm here only two years.
0: State Representative-elect and now U.S. Senate candidate Ann Stava Murray joining us live this afternoon. We very much appreciate your time here. Thanks for being with us.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: 428 now at News Talk 94.7 and 970 WMAY. Grab some original or buffalo-flavored chicken tenders at Culver's West on Wabash. The WMAY 10-minute weather guarantee. Wind advisory until 9 o'clock tonight, turning sharply colder overnight and sharply colder tomorrow. We'll get a full check of the forecast coming up. First back.